Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. We do have quite a few new listeners, folks who are watching our videos and listen to our podcast, and of course, uh, many new folks coming to our sanctification center that we call Life Over Coffee, and I'm so glad that you are here. Our straight address is lifeovercoffee.com, and so you're welcome to come to our ministry and, and just take advantage of all of our resources. We have thousands upon thousands of resources and they're all free to you to use as you wish uh, for your own personal use to grow uh, and also as you care for others. Please, please use them as you disciple other people. Christmas is over now and maybe if you had a tree, it's in the backyard. If you had presents, they're mostly unwrapped, I would imagine. And, and if you had family come in or if you went somewhere that now we have uh, gone to our homes for the most part, and so we're in a reflective state, kind of in a, a, a limbo here as we are wrapping up the Christmas season and we're heading into the new year. And I thought it would be a great time to ask a, a very important question, and I, I, wanna, I want to ask in the most succinct way uh, as possible, are you happy? That's my question. Are you really happy? What I would like to do here is to do a post-Christmas follow-up. In fact, that's how I've titled this. And so if you want to read what I'm about to share with you, you're welcome to do that. Just type in, are you happy on our website at lifeovercoffee.com. And it's titled, are you happy? Time for a post-Christmas follow-up. And the way that I want to launch into this is I want to share a three-word formula, and then I want to unpack that formula over the next few minutes. And so here's the formula. Here's the three words. Value creates satisfaction. Now, maybe you can bumper sticker that for just a moment and get it locked into your uh, mind. Value creates satisfaction. What I mean by that is that we express satisfaction about something based on how much we value it. If we like it, if I like this this Yeti here, then I value this Yeti, and this Yeti is going to bring me some form of satisfaction. And we won't find happiness in something if we don't value it. And so that is the formula. Value creates satisfaction. For example, if you have received a long-anticipated or cherished gift, then you probably responded with joy because it was something that you valued. Value creates satisfaction. For the believer, when we appreciate God more than anything else, we will experience the greatest pleasure possible. You will be forever happy because Christ is eternally valuable. I'm not saying that you won't have bad days. I'm not even saying that you won't be sad. And I'm using the word happy uh, synonymously with joy, delight, contentment, and satisfaction. And so even when things are bad and they're not going the way that we had anticipated or hoped, it doesn't obliterate the satisfaction and the value that we have in Christ. Some days can be dark, some days, some seasons can be dark, and I have walked through uh, that long tunnel of grief, and I know what it's like. 
But even going through that, there should be a constant, even though somewhat muted reminder uh, that we have an eternal God who has given us an eternal gift and, and nobody can pluck us out of his hand. And even on a very minimal level, there is some kind of contentment and satisfaction, even though it is being weighted down and even darkened somewhat by the season that you're going through. And the reason that we can persevere under our dark seasons is because of the formula. Value creates satisfaction. And and so that makes it essential for us to address and assess to see if we do value the baby Jesus who grew up to be the man who died on a cross and rose from the grave. Christmas reminds me of the father's joy when his children are excited about the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. One of the things that I do on occasion when I'm thinking about our children is I I try uh, to look through the lens of maybe how God thinks about me and us, his children, to try to understand uh, from his perspective. And so when Christmas comes around and the children are excited about Christmas, I I sit back and I I look at them playing, talking, laughing, playing games, listening to music, enjoying the season, and and they value the season. And so therefore the formula is in play, the the value's there and is bringing satisfaction to them. And I, I wonder how the Lord sees us as we enjoy the greatest gift of all time. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Each day since Thanksgiving, especially when our children were younger, they would ask, how many more days? You can just feel the the anticipation rising in their little hearts. It would be accurate to say that they were like this for an entire month. Now, it's hard for me to relate to their joy about Christmas because my Christmases were, let's just say that they were a little bit different than, than what our children have experienced. For those of you who don't know me, I I won't get into that, uh, but I'm welcome. I have all that information available to you, and so you can go on our website. In fact, if you go on the homepage about our ministry and click on that button in the header, uh, then you can read, you know, my life story, and it'll make sense to you at that point. Like, wow, he must, (laughs) he had some awful Christmases, and so the Christmas season wasn't really about joy and happiness so much. And so vicariously, I can actually enjoy our children's experience of Christmas, uh, something that I did not enjoy the way that they do. But also a father's perspective and experience of Christmas is vastly different from the child's point of view. And so now we just turn the tables as we look at the children enjoying, anticipating Christmas. From a parent's point of view, the parent is the one that's doing the sacrificing. We're on the sacrificing end of Christmas rather than the giddy receiving end of Christmas. I'm the one that's sacrificing. And they are the receivers of the sacrifice. But the good part for the father is it makes Christmas one of those beautiful and satisfying reminders of what it's like to have children excited about the gifts that you give. And so whether you're thinking about it from their end and the giddiness and and, and hope of, of what Christmas is and receiving these gifts or the other end, thinking about it from a father's sacrifice, there's an interplay here that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. 
I remember one Christmas, it was uh, I think around 2014, when one of our nephews eagerly ripped into one of his presents. And when he saw the gift, he was immediately deflated. You could see his countenance falling in real time. And as, as his countenance was falling, his lip was rolling out. He was four years old at the time. We all had a good laugh because most of us have been there. What he had hoped would bring joy was a monumental disappointment for him. After receiving that not-so-thrilling gift, he expressed what many of us had inwardly thought when, when the blow came with our anticipated gift, when we got that necktie one more time. But then there is the perfect gift. It's the child who asks for and receives the thing that he values. The formula is in play. There is an authentic joy because of the value that he ascribes to the present. Is there anything in heaven, anything on earth, better than the value found in the richness of Jesus Christ? The Savior of the world, born in a lowly stable, is the only one worthy of our highest affection. He endured unutterable suffering because of His desire for us to be with Him. And because of God's kindness, we experience unspeakable joy. It's a joy that matures in proportion to the breadth and depth of our understanding and appreciation of the gift. Maybe as newborn babes in Christ, we appreciated the gift, and we had inexpressible and unspeakable joy, but not with the maturity that we have a year later and 5 and 10 and 20 years later as we delve into God's Word and begin to understand in a more nuanced way what God went to to regenerate us and give us the gift of His Son. Inexpressible joy is joy expressed when words fail to comprehend the present entirely. Sometimes language falls short of our attempts to express the inexpressible. Whatever your native tongue is, mine is English. But English has a, has a ceiling. It is finite. And your language is too. Eventually, you're going to bump into the ceiling when you try to understand the infinite one and all that he is, all that he has done. When you see, when you feel, when you experience, when you appreciate the Savior more than anything else, and when he is your most profound and precious treasure, you are experiencing the greatest joy that you can know. And so before I proceed, I would love to take just a little bit of time to ask you three questions. And again, you can find these three questions in this article that I'm sharing with you. The title of the article is, Are You Happy? Time for a Post-Christmas Follow-Up. And I'm working with this formula, three words, value creates satisfaction. And so as we move forward, I want to ask you, three questions that I trust that uh, it'll get you thinking, and maybe this would be an excellent conversation to have with a friend. So does the gospel give you that kind of joy? And you know what? It's okay to say no. And for those listening by podcast, I'm putting that in air quotes. I mean, ultimately, it's not okay. But I know at, at some junctures in our life, the gospel does not bring you 
joy. I was talking to a friend one time, and, and, and he was sharing with me, and he said that Rick, when I think about Christ dying on the cross for me, I, it just doesn't connect to me. And I know that there's something wrong here. Now, what I appreciated about what he was saying is that he was being honest. Honesty is absolutely critical when you're engaging people. I tell counsel, I've told counselees this for years. It doesn't matter to me what you tell me as long as you tell me what you really believe at this moment. Because if you tell me some kind of lie, there's no way that we're going to be able to connect. And so when my friend says that, that the gospel doesn't connect with me, Jesus dying on the cross, I just have a hard time relating to that. I appreciated his honesty, and it gave us a natural starting point. It gave us the, the actual starting point uh, so that I could begin to care for him. And so this is not a pass-fail test. This is just an honest answer that I'm looking for, does the gospel give you that kind of joy? Number two, does the gospel take you to the upper range of your joy meter? And so if you look, can look at it like stratification, and as you get to the very top, hopefully the gospel is on that top ridge there, that top line in the stratification of your joy meter. I was holding up my Yeti just a few moments ago. Well, let's just say it's a little farther down uh, on the joy meter, it brings me joy, especially when it has coffee in it so I can do life over coffee. But it doesn't bring me near the joy that Christ does. And so when you look at the stratification of your joy meter, does the gospel take you to that upper range? And then finally, can there be anything more satisfying than the Savior of the world? And what I hope that if you do share these three questions with your friend, that you answer the question honestly, and you may be at that place in your life where your joy is so disrupted that when you answer my question number three, that you say, well, no, no, there's something more satisfying to me than the Savior of the world. I had a lady tell me that in counseling one time. She said, you know, I understand the Christian thing, and I'm a Christian, and, and so forth and so on, but all I want is this. And, of course, the thing that she wanted was for her husband to love her in a way that she wanted him to love her, and that was the primary thing, and that would bring her, most ple that would bring her the most amount of pleasure. And, again, she had to change but she was telling me the truth, and so it gave us our actual starting point, and so honesty is a big deal. Now, I am aware that some people did not find a lot of pleasure in this Christmas. Maybe they lost a loved one this past year, or they experienced the inexpressible pain of divorce. Perhaps the economy reduced their ability to provide what others commonly enjoy. Christmas is not all joy for all people all the time. I reflect on many Christmases past where I wanted to rejoice in the good news of the baby, but I felt guilty because of disrupted joy. My life circumstance was not what I wanted, and it weighted, it was so heavy on my soul that my joy was disrupted, and I know many of you have that circumstance now. When that weight comes down heavy on you, it can push out the joy of the season Christ. And sometimes you can feel helpless because as much as you want to, you can't get off the mat. You can't muster genuine joy. The losses, the accompanying pain took the place of my highest joy, which I should have reserved in Christ alone. And I don't say that to, to heap guilt on you. Not at all. I mean, I've been there and I know how hard that is. But 
we really have to be at a place where we can talk honestly about what is truly going on in our lives because it is precisely in those moments that I needed reminding of the gospel again. A Savior was born. He is the gospel. And though my days fluctuated from good to bad and, and back to good again, here's the good news. The gospel does not fluctuate. A tremendous Christmas or an awful Christmas, it doesn't alter the gospel. But for me, it did. You see, the gospel stabilizes our best and worst life challenges. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which brings me to the all-important question. Are you happy? No, really. Are you really happy? I'm not talking about temporary happiness governed by your circumstances or governed by the gifts that you received. Our nephew was not happy, but his, his gift received was governing his happiness. And that can't happen. And that's a disrupted joy, a misplaced happiness. Did those things determine your satisfaction? I mean, perhaps you received everything that you wanted. Bless you. <laughs> Maybe you were not in the mood to celebrate. I understand that. Did your attitude determine your happiness? You see, we root Christian delight in Christ, in Christ alone. We embed our joy in something that is better, deeper, and unchanging. Christian joy transcends terrestrial giving and receiving. It is happiness that is not determined or controlled by others or by other circumstances. And this is what I had to reframe my mind when I was going through a not-so-happy, a not-so-merry Christmas. You see, the Bible teaches that we have something superior to worldly offerings. We have a Savior. I want to share with you how Moses thought about his salvation and his appeal. He made an appeal to the Israelites. And so as you listen to this, think about how he thought about salvation, one, and then hear how he appealed to the Israelites to be grateful for the victory that they had in God. This is Deuteronomy 33, 29. This is what Moses said, and he just launches right in this with a big, fat, bold statement. He says, happy are you, O Israel. <laughs> Imagine your friend coming to you, and that's how, you know, actually, I think I'm going to do that next Sunday. I'm just going to walk up to somebody and say, happy are you, O believer, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you and you shall tread upon their backs. <laughs> Maybe you should memorize Deuteronomy 33, 29 and then go up to a friend or two or five and just blurt out this. Happy are you, old friend. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, and the sword of your triumph? Your enemies shall come fawning to you. 
I'll have to look up fawning. I'm not sure exactly what that means. And you shall tread upon their backs. You see, Moses was not asking the Israelites if they were happy. He was telling them that they were happy. From Moses' perspective, happiness is not a, a Christian's question to ask. Happiness is a condition. What is your condition? My condition is, I am happy. Moses is saying this as though it is a statement of fact. The ontological reality of happiness is part of what happens to us when Christ becomes our king. You are happy. So the question is, are you happy? Now, please understand the interchangeability of the words that I'm using. I'm using happy and joy and delight pleasure and contentment. I've used all of those words here, and, and all of those are important. And so I, the real point is not about wordsmithing or semantics, but about how Christians have more profound, sustaining, and satisfying experiences, especially during difficult times. Earthly status or earthly treasures are not how we measure joy. We measure happiness by the calm and collected assurance that a baby was born, who became the shepherd of our souls. David talked about it this way in Psalm 23. I'm not going to read the entire psalm. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to. It's one of the more popular passages of Scripture in the Bible. But what I would want you to hear as, as I'm sharing parts of this with you you can visualize this. You see a, a sheep standing in a corral, and he's looking over at his shepherd. He's looking at the shepherd, and the sheep is talking. And so the sheep is saying this when he looks at his shepherd. And this is what we should be saying when we look at our shepherd. So here's parts of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He restores my soul. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then he concludes with, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The ontological reality, the ontological condition of this sheep is happiness, the joy of the Lord. As he stood and meditated, as he stood in the corral and meditated on his shepherd over yonder and began to pontificate on what he thought about his shepherd, he understood the situation. This confidence comes from knowing your happiness is not contingent on your circumstances, but on your identity as a, as a Christian. Moses said, happiness comes from who you are, not what you have. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The Hebrew writer said it this way, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. The Christian is characterized by happiness, or 
satisfaction or contentment or shalom or joy because he knows what the Father did for him by giving Jesus to save him from his sins. This attitude of gratitude situates his awareness, his understanding, and his application of the gospel. It fixes that right in your mind and it stabilizes you. The question is, has this been your experience? The more I remind myself of what God has done for me, the more the gift of gratitude matures in my soul. It is a simple truth. Here it is. Though I appreciate people who do nice things for me and thoughts of them do stir joy, the good news is not whether I got what I wanted this Christmas or if it was a bummer and I've had both. I have to wrestle to root my joy in other things, in the thing, which is Christ. I cannot root my joy in other things. I must root my gratitude, my happiness, my joy, my thankfulness in something better, and that something better is the gospel. Jesus is a more enduring gift given to us. He sustains our gratitude because he is a sustaining gift. And so I hope that you have had a wonderful Christmas season as you cherish the risen Lord throughout the year. I've titled this, Are You Happy? As Moses said in Deuteronomy. In fact, he's already answered the question if you are a Christian. Happy are you, O Israel? Are you happy? Time for a post-Christmas follow-up. And so let me ask a few questions and we'll wrap up here. The first question is, are you happy? And if you're not happy, and again, if you want to interchange words here, that's fine. Do you have joy, contentment, peace, shalom, satisfaction, pleasure? But are you happy? If not, why not? Number two, what is the one thing you need that will make you happy? Now, this is an instructive diagnostic question to ask because whatever that answer is, that is on the upper range, the upper stratification of your joy meter. And so what is the one thing you need that will make you happy? Number three, will you explore the foundation and root causes of your happiness? And so if you're experiencing happiness now, why? Because you got that necktie that you always wanted? Because you got that other gift that you had been asking for? Or is your happiness rooted in something that is more enduring? Number four, would you share what I've just shared with you with a friend? And then finally, one last thing. I want to carefully paraphrase Deuteronomy 33, 29. And then as I do, I want you to insert your name in the place of Israel. So we'll take Israel out. No offense, Israel. But we'll take Israel out and put your name there. And it would sound something like this. Happy are you, O Biff, Mabel, who is like you, a person saved by the Lord. He is the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. The little and big things that annoy you are nothing compared to who you are in Christ. You, you not only will triumph in the future, but you will live in the good of the gospel today. He finished it. He won. And he is your Savior. Happy are you, old Biff. Happy are you, whoever you may be. Christmas has come and gone, but Jesus Christ has not. And so I hope that he will be your treasure. And 
through that gift, that enduring gift, you will find the, the peace that surpasses all of other gifts. Now, if we can help you in any way, I do want you to know that we have a ton of resources on our website. Go to our street address, lifeovercoffee.com. You will find us there. Uh, our team, we would love to uh, serve you if we can. We have by producing a ton of resources. By the way, you may not know this, that uh, supporting members do have a private place on our website, a private forum that's just for those who financially underwrite our ministry. If you don't know it, I mean, because we give our resources away, you intuitively know that somebody's paying for it. Well, these are the people. Uh, this is our little small army that underwrites our ministry that allows us to give them all of our resources to you. And so we thank God for every one of them. And you can be part of that number. And if you are, if you become a financial supporter of our ministry, not only will you help us to send these resources out globally, uh, but you can also come to our private forums. And this is where we interact with our supporting community on a daily basis. And so that is one perk that we offer for them. And uh, we're talking to them every day, literally. They come to our private forums and they're asking questions. They also talk to each other. They're starting, they're, they have built community with each other. And then new folks come in, new supporters, and they start talking amongst themselves and start building relationally within the community. And so part of it is us answering questions and interacting with them. And then part of it is just them enjoying one another as they're building community life in our private forum at lifeovercoffee.com. And so if you would like to be in that number, we would love for you to be there. But please uh, take advantage of this uh, article that I've written, Are You Happy? Time for a post-Christmas follow-up. Thank you so much and Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.